Welcome to C4 Church Online, equipping you as you follow Jesus. Hey C4, it's really great to be back with you again uh, via video, and uh, I am so excited about our church. I, I love so much that uh, we are one church in three locations, and so to Ajax and to Bowmanville and to Port Perry, uh, just great to be with you via, via video. Um, Stories told about three wealthy guys who encounter this ferocious storm uh, and it capsizes their yacht, their boat, everything is lost and they're washed up on this uninhabited island. Radio equipment is destroyed, they have no way to get in touch with anybody, it's kind of like truly a Gilligan moment. So they start looking for wood to build a fire and they're frantically you know, worried about if there's any animals that are dangerous on the island, they're doing all this kind of stuff. But one guy, John, took this really passive approach to the whole experience, and he just spent his time sort of lounging around on the beach, just kind of sitting, watching the other two guys frantically looking for, for means of rescue and for wood for a fire and all of this. And so finally, the two guys, you know, they, they start to chastise him, and they're saying, hey, John, you know, what, what on earth is going on with you? Like, don't you realize, like, the predicament we're in? This is a dire situation. But John just didn't seem to care. He just sort of chipped away at his coconut and stared out at the ocean. Well, finally, these two guys have just had it with him, and they come to him, and they just say to him, like, why aren't you doing anything, man? Don't you care? And he said, but you guys don't understand. He said, I'm a Christian, and I'm really wealthy. Well, a lot of good your money is going to do us out all the way out here. We're deserted. Like, your money is absolutely useless. He said, no, 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 you guys don't understand. You see, not only am I really, really wealthy, but I'm very, very active in my church, and I am a regular big giver in our church. So I guarantee you, my pastor will find us before next Sunday. This is the second week in a series on discipleship at C4. Today we're gonna to really get down to the nitty gritty of giving and generosity. And my goal today is to talk about some of the benefits of giving, and more importantly, I really wanna focus in on what attitude we should hold when it comes to giving and to generosity in the church. In 2 Corinthians chapter eight and verse five, the Apostle Paul, writing to a church much like our church in our context, starts off this whole section on giving with these important words. They gave themselves first to the Lord. In this passage, Paul is telling of a church where people really understood giving, where giving was something that they really excelled in. And his comment is that giving is a matter of the heart. Giving must be viewed in the context of discipleship. They gave themselves first to the Lord. And quite frankly, that's why I'm doing this series of two weeks and why next week, Pastor John and I are then gonna talk further about what's coming up at C4 and how, as fully devoted followers of Jesus, we can fully engage in what the church is doing and where we believe God is taking us. See, we need to understand what the Bible teaches about generosity and money and possessions and giving. Followers of Jesus Christ need to know that God has said a lot of things about money and a lot of things about possessions. How we earn it, how we spend it, how we accumulate it, and more importantly, how we give it. So 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 5 is so important to us this morning. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? 
Have you given yourself fully to the Lord? Are you seeking to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus? If so, then what we're gonna look at today is actually part of that relationship. You cannot divorce what we're gonna look at today from you becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus because in order to become fully devoted, we believe you've gotta walk with Jesus, but we also believe that you've gotta engage in mission and God has lots to say about what we do with our money, with our wealth, and with our possessions. We've got to get this area right in our lives if we want to be free to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. And so for, here, for us here at C4, becoming a fully devoted follower is all about five dimensions of discipleship. We talk all the time around here about what it means to celebrate big. That, that's what we're doing in uh, each one of our locations today. That's what we do in C4 Kids. That's what we do in young adults and in youth and in all kinds of contexts. We celebrate big. We come together and we worship and we come under uh, teaching and together we, we come to encourage one another and we celebrate who God is and what he's done in our midst. The second dimension is that we connect small. In a big church like ours, it's very easy to get overlooked. It's very easy to feel like you don't fully belong. And so we say, hey, you need to connect small where some people can see your spiritual growth and can know when something happens in your life and can be there to help minister to you and you minister to them. And so we connect small together. And then we talk about the dimension of walking with Jesus and that's the personal responsibility that I take to be involved in my own personal quiet time, my devotional life, whatever label you want to give it, reading the Bible, praying and listening. And then we talk about this other dimension called share the work. Pastor John often talks uh, about the fact that we have spiritual gifts and those gifts are guaranteed places of power where God empowers us by his Holy Spirit. And why do we have spiritual gifts? The scripture is really clear so that it's for the benefit of everyone else around. And so we need to get involved in sharing the work because I need you and you need me and we all need to share the work together and carry the load together. And then we engage in mission. And I started the conversation on this last week and I want to continue because part of engage in mission, it's not all of engage in mission, but part of engage in mission is understanding that the mission and the ministry and the advancement of the kingdom of God through C4 is financed by the giving and the generosity of God's people. And so we need to get this right if we're going to continue to do that together. Today I want to get really, really practical. I want to help you with the nuts and the bolts of growing in the discipleship dimension of engage in mission around this whole area of generosity and giving. I want to do two primary things. The first thing I want to do is to tell you about how giving actually benefits you. I want you to understand that there are enormous benefits to you to giving and to generosity. And then I want to talk about what does the Bible prescribe? What is the, the way that the Bible teaches that we are actually to go about giving for those of you who need to implement that maybe for the first time or for those of you who need a refresher in what it means to actually give and to be generous towards the things of God. So let's look first of all at how giving benefits my own life. There are a number of benefits from giving. Now remember, we're talking about benefits to those who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. This is about becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And if you're not yet a Christ follower, this doesn't apply to you. 
Because you're not in that wonderful relationship where you understand that God owns everything and that he has given it to you to steward and that you give back as a reminder of all that God has done for you. But for those of us who are here and who are at all of our sites that, that call themselves fully devoted followers or want to be fully devoted followers of Jesus, we've got to get this right. So here's the first benefit that I see from getting, giving right and becoming a person of great generosity. The first one is this, giving makes me more like God. We, we, we must never lose sight of the fact that God is a giver. God has shown us this wonderful example of what it means to give, and one of the best known verses in all of the Bible is John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave, God shows us that he is a giving God and he didn't give cheaply, he didn't give out of the leftovers, he gave his one and only son, the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ the son came and God gave him for us. And so when I give, when I practice generosity, I'm actually becoming more like God, I'm emulating God. I'm not becoming God, I'm acting more like God. I'm acting more like Jesus, the Son. And this means that I'm growing in godly character. See, I'm absolutely convinced that you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. If we love, we must give. If we say that we love Jesus, we must give. If we say that we love the church, we must give to the church. If we say we love people, we must give towards people. If we love the world that we live in and we wanna see it come under the reign and the rule of God, we must give towards that. So that's the first benefit. The second benefit to giving is this. Giving draws me closer to God. So it makes me like God, but then it also draws me closer to God. In Matthew chapter six and verse 21, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. In other words, what Jesus is trying to get across here is, wherever I put my money, that's where my heart will be. Wherever I invest my money, that's where my heart is drawn to. And what he means here by heart is our affections, our interests, and our passions. So if I am constantly investing in my house, and I'm constantly doing renovations to my house, and I pour all of my giving towards my house, all of my disposable income, then Jesus is saying, then your heart's there. Because where your treasure is, your heart follows your treasure. If I'm you know, putting it all into my car, and by the way, if you've seen my cars, you know this is not true, but if I'm putting it all into my car, Jesus is saying that if that's where you're putting all of your giving, all of your wealth, all of your generosity, then your heart follows and is drawn there. But the same is true when we talk about the kingdom of God. If I give my money to God and his work, then my heart is naturally drawn there. And sometimes I hear people saying, I feel that God is distant, or I feel that I can't draw closer to God. And there might be a thousand reasons why that exists. Could you at least put on the list, maybe it's because our treasure is actually not with God. We're not actually investing in the things of God, and so our hearts do not follow there to that same place. So, Giving makes me more like God, giving draws me closer to God, and then thirdly, giving is an antidote for materialism. It doesn't 
We don't need any convincing that we live in a materialistic culture. Consumption is the name of the game in the world that we live in, in the GTA in North America. The one with the most toys always wins according to our culture. The Apostle Paul, writing to this protege, Timothy, a young pastor, said this in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 18. Command the rich to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Command. Paul says, command people who are rich to do these things, to not get caught up in their wealth, but actually to be rich in good deeds and be generous, be abundantly generous and willing to share whatever they have. Oh, but I'm not rich, right? That's the response that we often make. Oh, you're talking about other people, Dave. You're not talking about me? Really? Really? Like by virtue of living in the communities that we live in, where all of our C4 locations are, by virtue of living in this region, by virtue of living in this country, by virtue of living on this continent, you and I are some of the most wealthy people on the face of the planet. I've had the privilege of traveling to uh, around 30 countries now, and over and over and over again, I am struck by how fortunate we are and by the wealth and the blessing that we enjoy living in this country. So I am rich, and so are you. And when we learn to give, we show that we're not consumed with consumption. We show that it's not always about getting, but it's actually about giving. I I love what one author said on this. Giving is the only drain plug for greed. Giving is the way that we drain the greed out of our souls. I love that. Giving, being generous, is the way that I battle my propensity towards greed, and it's how I drain that ugly greed right out of my soul. Well, the fourth benefit to giving and to generosity is this. Giving is an investment in eternity. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead by investing your money in people who are going to be in heaven. First Timothy 6, 18 and 19 says this. Command the rich to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share And then Paul adds this, in this way they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. I talked an awful lot about this last week and and so uh, if you need to go back and look at last week's sermon, go back and review last week's sermon. Giving is always about an investment in eternity. So we have to ask ourselves, how big an investment am I making in eternity? You know, I went on and I checked out the Stats Canada website this week in preparation. According to Stats Canada, the average Canadian across our whole country, the average Canadian saves $5,100 a year, mostly in the form of RSPs or TFSAs. $5,100 a year. But according to the same Stats Canada pages, the average Canadian gives about $1,000 a year to charity. And here at C4, the average across everybody is about $1,200. So we save 5100 for our future here on earth and we invest about 1200 a year for eternity. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Giving is an investment in eternity. How much am I investing and what kind of payoff am I expecting to receive? So those are some of the benefits 
to you and I, and I think those are great benefits. So how on earth do you put this into practice? How do you now go about giving in a generous way? How do you get disciplined in this area? How do I move forward, Dave? Help me with this in a real practical way. Well, that's what I want to do in this next section. I want to give you what I believe is the biblical formula for giving to God according to the New Testament. If you want to be more like Jesus, if you want to get closer to God, if you want to buck the trend of materialism, if you want to invest in eternity, then I believe there are five aspects to giving that you and I need to know, but not only do we need to know them, we need to put them into practice. And this must become a regular practice of ours. So let me talk about these. The first one is this. When it comes to this whole area of giving and generosity, we need to give expectantly. This aspect of giving is often overlooked by Christians, mostly because we've been burned in the past by the televangelists and by those who preach a health and prosperity gospel. The They misuse and they abuse the concept, but it does not negate the concept. Here's what God says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, I'm not much of a farmer. (laughs) My grandfather on my dad's side was a pig farmer, so I don't really know much about farming at all. But I do know that if you want to get a good harvest, if you're actually expecting a bumper harvest, you don't go out into your field and you don't take just one seed and put it in the ground and stomp on it, add a little water, and hope for a bumper, incredible harvest. What I do know is if you want a big harvest, a bumper harvest, you have to go out there with a lot of seed and you have to scatter and sow tons of seed. And that's the principle that Jesus is talking about here. And I imagine in these days of a struggling stock market and low interest rates, if you were to get like a 10% return, you'd, you'd kind of be happy about that. If you got like a 15% return, I think you'd get kind of excited about that. So here at C4, as you engage in mission and as you sow into, as you give joyfully and as you, and as you give generously into the ministry of C4, what kind of return can you expect? Because you should give expectantly. Well, let me just remind you of a few things. Here's some facts about C4 over the last several years. Since 2011, there have been somewhere just over 500 baptisms here in this church at all of our sites. And and baptism, you know, is real life change. Like there are thousands upon thousands of spiritual decisions that are made. But when somebody gets up out of the seat and publicly declares that they're going to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior and gets in the tank... That's a significant, significant event. There's been a lot that's happened in that person's life. And more than 500 people have done that since 2011. What a great investment that has been for many of you. Hundreds of people have taken Alpha. And many, many people have met Jesus because of Alpha. And we've been able to do Alpha because of the generosity of God's people. And so people have invested in the ministry of church and other people have come in off the streets, many of them atheists and agnostics, never having heard the name of Jesus. And through this simple video series and through a sense of community and coming together, they get their questions answered and they get to meet and encounter the living Christ. What a great payoff. Hundreds of people have gone through Freedom Session 
And God has used the material and freedom session and the sense of community that's built around that to help people get over the hurts of the past and to see God now in the midst of all of that and to come to terms with many, many things and find freedom. Many people through our restoration prayer ministry here have been released from demonic activity in their life. And it's made an enormous difference to their lives. And they are finally free from things that have hounded them and tortured them for years. And they get to experience freedom. Why? Because many of you have invested in the ministry of this church. And we've had the privilege of seeing people come to freedom in Christ. And we've had the privilege of training other leaders so that that kind of ministry and that kind of influence and freedom in Christ can come to many different communities. And I don't even have time to talk today about attendance and growth and sites and care fund and local and global engagement and the list goes on and on and on. My point is this. Those are really good investments, but the real return is going to be in eternity. And so when you give, I want you to give expectantly that God is going to do something with something as silly as money and turn it into life change. So the second thing that we need to do and the second thing we need to get a handle on is that we need to give willingly. And really what I'm talking about here is your attitude is the starting place. I've said this before, God does not need your money, but he wants you to give because it shows that you acknowledge that everything is owned by God and you are simply the manager or the steward of everything that belongs to him. Like, I love to flip things around because a lot of people, you know, they come to this whole area of giving and they're like, oh man, okay, just, would you just kind of give me the bottom line, how much do I have to give? Let's look at it the other way. God says, how much do you need to live on? Look, I'm going to provide it for you and you can live on all of it, but I wish you would understand that it all comes from me and you can lose it all in a heartbeat. But look, as you live on so much Would you just give some of it back to me so that you continually remember because really I care about your heart more than anything else. And as you give back to me, you are reminding yourself and you're acknowledging before me that it all comes from God in the first place. So we need to give and we need to give willingly. You get to live on 80, 90, 95, 98, 97. You choose it. It doesn't matter right now. You get to live on that but you need to give willingly back to God. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 7 says, each one should give as he has decided in his heart to give. The amount is not the issue. Some of you really need to hear this. The amount is not the issue. The heart attitude is the issue. And some of you need to stop treating giving and generosity like a tax. Because it's not a tax. We hate taxes. Most of us as Canadians, we hate taxes. God is not taxing you at all. He's saying, I want to understand. Show me where your heart is at. God rewards people for their willingness, not their wealth. You make the decision ahead of time that you're going to give. Decide how much you're going to give. And then you just simply do it. And never give when you feel pressured. Never give when you are under a heavy pressure. You should know exactly what you're going to give. You should know in advance. You should talk about it. If you're a couple, you should pray about it. As a family, you should constantly talk about it. And you should be prepared to give. And in advance, you should decide. 
Now this doesn't negate a special move of the Holy Spirit to do something above and beyond, but in order to do that, you've gotta have margin, and I don't even have time to talk to you about margin today. I talked about it over a year ago, and the reason why the Holy Spirit sometimes can't prompt us to do just crazy things for God in the area of generosity is because many of us just don't have the margin to do it. But we need to be willing, and we need to adopt a lifestyle that allows us and gives us the space to have margin so we can be willing. The Bible says we're to give, but not reluctantly or under pressure. We're to decide in advance and we're to give willingly. Well then the third aspect of giving that you really need to understand to put into practice is we need to give joyfully. Look, you and I will never be able to repay God for all that he has done for us. Like, if some of you are thinking, I need to give because it's my payment back to God, that's called earning your salvation, and it's not possible. How on earth, how on earth do you put a price on salvation? I was bound for hell, and God rescued me and brought me into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom I have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Put a price tag on that. You can't repay that. How do I put a price tag on freedom? Once I was bombarded by satanic influence and by demonic influence in my life, and Jesus Christ in his mercy and through his blood and through his sacrifice set me completely free, and it's impacted my whole family. How do you put a price on that? The answer is you can't, friends. You just simply can't outgive God. So you've got to stop thinking that giving back to God is somehow repaying God for the big loan that you owe him. That's not true. Every time you and I give to God and we are generous, we're actually just saying thank you to God. 2 Corinthians 9 and 7 says, that you're to give not reluctantly or under compulsion. And then Paul adds this, for God loves a cheerful giver. This word cheerful in, in the original language in the Greek could also be translated very easily hilarious. God loves hilarious givers. Now, not laughing at the amount that you give because it's so small, but, but you, it's the attitude. I am so excited about what God has done. I am so jazzed about everything that God has done in my life that I'm hilarious in my giving. I am just so cheerful. I'm so joyful. I just, I can't outgive God. I'm not even going to try. So I'm just going to go crazy at giving. And that's what Paul is trying to help us understand and to see here. And in many, many church services, the offering is the low point in the whole service. But it doesn't have to be. Because we can be hilarious givers. I remember one of the first times that I was in an African uh, church service and, and kind of following roughly the order of service, we had 16 hours of worship songs and that was just two songs. And then, you know, we moved into the giving part. And so I thought, oh, they're just gonna pass the plate around because I'm North American. So I'm like, oh, like everybody, oh, how much money do I have on me, right? Do they take debit here? I don't know. So we're doing this kind of thing. And then all of a sudden this conga line forms and people are like, mm -hmm, you know, they're doing the thing and the music's playing. And I'm like, oh, I'm rhythmically challenged. What am I supposed to do? And so what happens is this conga line forms and for like 20 minutes, people are dancing their way around the whole church. Why? Because I think they're trying to understand what hilarious giving is all about. They're so cheerful. They're so joyful. Out of their extreme poverty, they are giving, and they are loving Jesus in the middle of it, and it's an act of their worship. See, we need to give joyfully. We need to recapture that kind of giving in our hearts. Some of the most joyful people that I've ever been around are people who love to give, 
regardless of the amount, because I don't know the amount, but when I'm around people who love to give, I love being around them. And when I'm around people who hate giving, who hate spending, who, hate, who are not generous people, who every time they open their wallet, a moth flies out of it, when I'm around those kinds of people, I don't like it. Simple question, I'd rather hang, hang out with Santa than Scrooge any day of the week. We need to be joyful in our giving. The fourth practice that we need to get into is we need to give regularly. When you and I give regularly, we're saying a number of important things about our relationship with God and what it means to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse two, it says this. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. Giving regularly reminds me that God is number one in my life. Giving regularly means that God is part of my planning and my spending patterns. Giving regularly means that the church can count on me to be active in the ongoing ministry, that I am engaging in ministry at the church. And this verse in 1 Corinthians 16, 2 says, set aside, it's this whole idea of planning. You know, over the years, because I come from an accounting kind of background in my former life, and then went into ministry, over the years I've had lots of people say, Dave, can we sit down and can we talk about budgeting? Can we talk about financial planning? And I always say, yeah, sure, because I really don't think it's that difficult. So, so what you do is you start with your income. You start with all of the money coming in and you add up all your money coming in and then you just simply say what we're gonna take away from that and what we're gonna plan for is all the money going out. And so I always write the first thing is giving to God and people always look at me with this blank stare. What? See, because the way that most people think is I start with all the money coming in and then I start with the really important stuff first. I gotta pay rent or I gotta pay a mortgage and I gotta pay the car. Then I, you know, I gotta pay for the kid's education. Then I gotta do the gym membership that I don't use. And they go on the way down through the list. And then they go at the very end of the, of the money, I still have some month left over. And so I don't have enough. And if I did have a little trickle at the end, then I can give God out of that. Friends, that's not biblical generosity. It's not biblical generosity. That is not how the Bible wants us to live our lives. We need to adjust our lifestyle and we need to put God up on the top of the list because remember, everything comes from him. God doesn't get the leftovers after everything else is paid off. God needs to be first on our list. We need to set aside the money that we're gonna give God and the first day of the week, You set aside what you are going to give willingly, expectantly, joyfully, and regularly to God. And then you deal with all the other stuff of life. Such an important concept for us to grapple with. And then finally, we need to give proportionally. This verse in 1 Corinthians 16 says that you should set aside an amount in keeping with his income. This is the principle of proportional giving. See, God doesn't expect each of us to give the same amount. For some of you, giving $100 a week is no big deal at all because you earn an awful lot of money. Now, your lifestyle may not be adjusted so you have that kind of margin, but based on what you earn, that should be a no-brainer. And for other people, giving $100 a week is an incredible stretch and sacrifice because you earn so little. But God doesn't grade based on the amount. God grades based on the attitude and God grades based on the heart. See, in the Old Testament, the guideline for giving was a tenth 
of all income. That's where we get the word tithe, and maybe you've heard the word tithe used over and over again. And in the Old Testament, that was the prescribed method. It was the starting point that God said to his people, you need to give tithes and offerings. We start with 10%. I never want you to forget that I'm the one that brought you out of Egypt. That's the salvation equivalent for us. I brought you out of slavery, and I brought you into the promised land. And as you come into the promised land, I'm giving you all these really great things, and so that you never forget that I have done all this for you, 10% of everything that you have, you give to me, and then because you're so hilarious in your giving, and because you wanna grow in your love relation to me, uh, beyond that 10%, you give offerings over and above to bless other people and to worship me. That's the Old Testament prescribed. Here in this verse, we're told that we need to give in proportion to our income. And for me, that means to give a percentage of what I make to God right off the top. And it doesn't have to be 10%, but it sure seems to me that if that's what the Old Testament prescribed, and Jesus has said, I have not come to abolish the law, but I've actually come to fulfill it, that it would be a great guideline for me to, as a starting point to say, I wanna grow in my generosity, I wanna grow in my giving, I wanna be more joyful, I wanna be more willing, more expectant in my giving. And so, hey God, rather than just pick a number out of the air, I'm gonna start with 10%. Now, I know some of your mouths are dropping, but we've got to get this right, friends, and then we could grow beyond that to be people who are known as incredibly generous people. See, here at C4, we always talk about planned faithfulness. It's why in every one of our sites, when the host stands up and they're talking about the offering, there's a slide that goes on the screens that talks about the five different ways that we have put in place for you to give. Why? Because it's guided by these principles that we see in the scripture. You can be regular in your offering. You can be faithful in your offering. You can be joyful in your offering. You can do it willingly, not under compulsion. And you can give it expectantly. And we're just trying to make it easier to go through the administrative hoops to make it happen. But the heart behind it is, how much do you want to be a generous person? So here's the thing to remember in this whole area of giving and generosity. God is way more interested in my attitude than my amount. See, I can't ever impress God by giving an amount hey God, I just put 500 in the plate. Did you notice that? God isn't like, whoa, did you just see what Dave did? It's not about the amount. God's looking on my heart attitude. And and it doesn't matter if I put a penny in and it doesn't matter if I put a million dollars in the plate. If the heart attitude is not right, God is not impressed at all. And we need to understand this, and we need to get this, and we need to wrestle through this as followers of Jesus Christ. If we are gonna become fully devoted followers of Jesus, and we're gonna engage in mission, and we're gonna walk with Jesus, and we're gonna become more like him in his character and in his conduct, we need to work this through in our lives. There is an opportunity for us to be an incredible group of people who exhibit and practice generosity that we could even become known for. Here's the dream. There's this passage that I stumbled across in Exodus chapter 36, verses six and seven. This is is my pastoral dream, friends. Let me share my dream with you. 
Then Moses gave an order, and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had already had was more than enough to do all the work. Are you kidding me? Moses says, look, stop them from giving. It's too much money. We have more than enough to do everything that our vision demands that we're going to do. So just tell them, stop already, people. Stop already. Oh, I wish that I had to get up on this stage or in one of the other sites and say, people, people, stop giving. Would you just stop? We've got too much money. I wish we had that problem, but we don't. But can you imagine what we could do if that was the case? Can you imagine how more far-reaching our influence for the kingdom of God could be? Can you imagine the dreams that we have as leadership and as people in this church, the things we would love to do, the kingdom exploits we'd love to do if it weren't for this silly thing called money? See, I think we have everything that we need in our midst to do great exploits for the kingdom of God. But friends, you and I, as fully devoted followers of Jesus and as people who are on that journey, we need to get this grace of giving down pat in our lives. See, I think this dream is more than just a dream. I think it's a possibility. I think we can do this. Regular, proportional, joyful generosity in a worship response to all that God has already done for us. Wouldn't it be great if that's what we became known for? Let's pray together. So Lord, thank you for what the scripture teaches. And even beyond what the scripture teaches, I am so grateful that you never call us to something that you do not empower us to get there. So Lord, you have given us so much collectively as a whole church and all of the people who are involved with C4, who call C4 their home church, there is so much that you have given us together when we add it all up together. So would you now help us to become more and more generous and to excel in this great grace of giving. And may we use all of it to glorify your name and to further your kingdom that many people will come to know Jesus and to grow up be like him. We ask this and that you would just give us a great burden around this and you give us the discipline to follow through on it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of C4, visit c4church.com.